Hello there, SE land. You know, this is Twig, Anthony Twig Wheeler. Here I am talking with you on episode 64. Episode 64 of Twig's SE Reflections. This is a podcast series that I've been creating for some time now for SE students and practitioners, people who are studying the psychobiology literature, things related to how we work with our clients who are suffering from traumatic stress and accumulated stress and things of that nature. I am a practitioner and kind of uh, nearly well, and here I am talking with you all about things that happen in our sessions, the things that I do and don't do and how I think about it, kind of a reflective, reflective process here, off the top, off the cuff thoughts, reflections about what it means to be a practitioner, some thoughts with you. So today, episode 64, um, uh, I, I was thinking maybe I'd go back. I'd go back and touch on that theme of episode 63, which was the question, will this pendulate? That, that tense, tense question that we have inside of our sessions when we're meeting with somebody, maybe early on, maybe before we get things moving, just fully in the right direction. Maybe sometimes for a very long time, we're just engaging we're in a conversation, we're in a topic of concern, we're doing a somatic investigation where we're starting to look inside the felt sense and say, hey, what do you notice now? What what does that do? How do you perceive it? And somewhere in there, we, we're invested enough, we're paying attention to this thing enough, we're inside the storyline and it's all negative, maybe we're inside the tension and the physicality and the body, some kind of Ooh, this is uncomfortable. We're inside of there and we're wondering, is this going to pendulate? And what I was mentioning in episode 63 is this, this idea that as you build your experience and your awareness of these things, there's a way to see that sometimes as a practitioner, you'll need to do more in order to help elicit pendulation, that that change, that signal of change may not come or be noticed on its own for a client, a person that you might be working with or that you might be sometimes yourself, who are kind of, you know, getting a whole lot of signal that something is really wrong. That's one way to say it. It's like there's so much attraction to the danger signal, I don't notice the change, the other, the opportunity for some difference, some pendulation. And so as a practitioner, you know, you might you might start to read people in such a way that you can kind of discern or even maybe just read a particular situation whether or not this thing that you're paying attention to will pendulate, whether or not you can simply give it time and space and everything notices it gets changed and wow, here we are off to the swing of things or does it just stay stuck or uninteresting and various different nuances in between all of those and as a practitioner, you know, you you can kind of help draw some of this out or um, not need to ask so many questions because it's already going to draw itself out and you already have the evidence for that. There are different ways that you might 
we might adapt ourselves as practitioners based on whether or not this is going to pendulate. And consequently, there's there's a certain amount of tension, right? You know, it's, I don't mean to say like you would want to be, I certainly don't hope that you would be, but you don't want to be physically tense, but that there's a, there's a certain aliveness or readiness to the question, is this going to pendulate? And before it's becoming completely obvious, you know, sometimes you might, you might wonder. <laughs> well, I was talking about that in 63, episode 63, and I wanted to come back and draw out a little bit of this question, this way this is, with some stories. Now, I don't know if you're a regular listener, if you've heard this before, but every once in a while I, I just tell stories. So that's that's how this will go. I have a few pendulation stories. One One is the... I was in the back of the Claremont in Berkeley, which is a big well-to-do hotel where the advanced training used to happen sometimes. Nice setting. You could see above the city and real close to the origins of where where Peter had kind of done his thing, the University of California, Berkeley. And um, we were, you know, 80 people strong in the room maybe, just a, a lot of energy, a lot of interest. Kathy Kane and Stephen Hoskinson were were teaching and really, really lively. And I, I used to suffer from, and it could happen again, I suppose, but I used to suffer from these lockups, <laughs> could call them a, lo- a lockup, that would happen in my neck and upper upper shoulder, right where my cervicals and thoracic would meet, I would... I would just get this kind of intense lock in all of the muscles all the way down to the spinous process, you know, those multifidus or multifidus or I, I never say it right. I'm really not saying it right now. I'm making fun of it. Um, but, you know, right down inside your spine, going from the the lateral side of the spine to the posterior side, you know, you got the spinous processes and these transverse processes and such. These, you have these little muscles that just go from one spinal segment to the next, and they, they're really important to have at least enough mobility in them that your, your joints between themselves can move. Well, this lockup thing would bury all the way down into that, and I would, I would just, I would not be able to move. Just really not be able to move. It would then radiate all the way down my back and out my shoulders, and um, it would set me back for days. I, many times, Stephen Hoskinson had to help me with convalescing myself at these trainings, you know, and. He'd have to carry my luggage for me before sometimes and after the trainings and um, put me up afterwards, really helped me out. Uh, I, I needed a lot of help with this. It was many years that I physically couldn't move uh, for a week at a time. Just would happen. Now, of course, there were triggers at the initial stages of that that I was needing to get down into. But okay, here I was in the back of the Claremont just completely stuck on the floor in the back. P- 
people would come back every once in a while to grab a, a bite from the food, you know, that was left out and they'd see me there and, and I'd just, wow, you look really bad, you know, and I'd just be laying, laying in what maybe now we would call the spa. That, that time it was just me underneath a table that I'd kind of put aside to give me a little bit of protection from people walking around. Well, I was laying there, um, focusing on it and I was trying to get it to pendulate and I wanted it to change because it hurt really bad. And I would, I would really, I would, I would just sit there and or lay there as much my body contacting the floor as you can imagine, really stuck to the floor and focusing on it just really focusing on it, letting it do what it wants to do, wanting it to follow the wisdom of the body, wanting it to make that change that would get it to go away. And I was back there tracking myself like that. And my good friend, our good friend, Andrea, she, um, a longtime assistant, really wonderful, wonderful. Andrea walks past and she says, remember to pendulate. And I'm, I'm laying there focusing and tracking and feeling into this pain signal that I've got going on. And I, and I realized I wasn't allowing any space for pendulation to happen. I wasn't invoking pendulation. I wasn't participating in the allowance for pendulation. I was actually, I was reinforcing all of my attention. All of my focus was in this vortex toward all of this tightening in this one particular area of my shoulder spine, shoulder spine zone. And, and, and Andrea's comment that it just totally, it broke me right out of it. It, it just, it was everything I needed. And so I said, oh yeah, how could I do that? Well, obviously I had been feeling it for all it was worth before and it wasn't pendulating on its own. You know, it wasn't like just naturally moving from this contraction to the otherness of it. It wasn't moving to a releasing or an opening or an expansion. It was just contracting, contracting, contracting down. It was just tightening, tightening, tightening. So it wasn't pendulating at that point, you see. And so I realized with Andrea's help that I needed to do something on behalf of this, because the focus that I was giving it now was only reinforcing the one side of itself. So I started looking for where in my body I could notice myself being different than this place that was so tight so that I could, quote, start to pendulate. Now, this would be doing the action of it you see, like not just simply allowing it to be itself. Now I would do something with my attention. I would take my attention from one place in my body to another place in my body so that I could more or less prime the pendulum or maybe kind of like push the pendulum back and forth with my attention, my awareness. So what I did was, um, uh, you know, sometimes when you do this, you have to go really far away from the source of the pain because the source of the pain like a vortex is calling your attention so deeply that you can't 
pay attention to anything that's close or associated to it because to be close or associated is to simply have your attention be called back into the epicenter. So sometimes you have to go really far away, right? Like totally out of the body or, you know, your toes or your feet or your heels on the floor or something like that. Or maybe you have to wiggle your legs in order to do something far away from, in this case with me laying on the floor there, my epicenter being my shoulder. Well, I was like a real, I, I still can, will do this at times, like real somatic adventurer kind of fella. So I don't, I wouldn't mind the pain if I thought that it was going to be valid. Well, I remember in this case that what I did was I felt my upper body and then I turned and I pulled my attention down however I could to my lower body, like my hips on the floor, my legs laying there. And then I went back up and felt where I had been noticing before, the pain area. And I would try to just place less attention with that, you know, and then turn back around and take my attention back down to my legs and just kind of feel my legs and such. Well, that's a slow going kind of thing. You can't press that. I, I wasn't pressing it. I had been on the floor for hours. You know what I mean? The class was happening at this point completely without any assistance from me. I was just a, a little bit of a of an anchor or weight in the back of the room saying, yeah, I can't move. I'm not going to help in out there any at all. So I was just taking all the time that it felt like I could, that I, I needed. I needed all this time and I just felt like I, I had it, so I was taking it to slowly go between the pain center where I was feeling all that pain behind my shoulder and my lower legs. And as that started to happen, other things started to show themselves. Yeah, like I started to notice pulsing, like um, where things had been just kind of tight before, I started to notice that there was like more like pulsing started to happen. And then that for me was, I remember this specifically, I was like, that's it. That's the change. And that's the thing for me to start paying attention to new now. And so I continued the process of taking my attention back and forth. But as I brought my attention back up to the area of my shoulder, I paid more attention to the new thing, the difference, in this case, the pulsing, and continued the process, which is kind of like, you know, kind of leaning on the pendulum because this tightness thing was really, was really too stuck. It wasn't going to just shift. I, I realized I couldn't just shift my attention to, oh, now I'll just feel what it does. I'll just feel the pulsing. I think it would have just locked back up or maybe it did. Maybe I tried that. I was back there for a while. Well, over time, I'm having this swing that I'm causing to happen. I'm kind of like pushing the swing in a way with my attention going back and forth, noticing the changes. Eventually, all of that lockup in my shoulder and my arm started to twitch and started to rumble and started to do different kinds of wacky kinds of things until some much great time later, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 minutes later, I'm back there and my arm is literally flopping around like a fish. It's just completely flopping like back and forth and, and all of this energy is completely chaotic moving around inside of it. And it's 
finding or its epicenter is coming right out of that place that I had been locked up at the top of, say, just above my scapula, you know, in that zone as it went down into my spine. It was trippy. It was just trippy. My arms flopping around. And Burns Galloway, our SE faculty, is a senior assistant at the time, and he walked past and he said, is that real? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, it's just doing its own thing, you know? Well, I think he asked me that afterwards. I think he walked past and, and noticed and then asked if it was real the next day. It was. It was real. My locked up shoulder, I don't know, an hour or something later from when I started to remember to pendulate, as Andrea had reminded me, it had gotten all into floppiness and uh, movement. Now I should say, because maybe one or two of you are like, wow, that's amazing. I got to tell you, it didn't help. I mean, it helped in a, in a way. It helped me have something to do and such. And, and I, it was really relieving to have it change that way. But it locked back up like two hours later. Um, the process, though, that back and forthness, that like remembering to pendulate, is how over the next few days as I well, you know, time was happening and that, that just always re- did it. But but there was a little shift for me in how I tracked those events afterwards. Remember to pendulate, as Andrea had said, and that made a big difference. Now, it didn't make a big difference in that immediate zone. That immediate time is what I'm saying, is I still had such an amplitude of movement and such that everything just got re-triggered inside and locked back up right afterwards. Well, um, several years later, that's a long time back now, several years later, I was at the Seattle airport on my way down to California. I was going to, maybe, maybe I was going to do a little filming for a project that Stephen Hoskinson was doing, uh, a workshop he was giving. So I was traveling down to California and to get to the airport is a bit of a hassle for me. And I usually, usually takes the night and, and such beforehand. So by the time I got to the airport, I was in my own global high activation, not much sleep kind of pattern that I can certainly, could certainly get into. And when I arrived at the airport, I realized that I had a very similar kind of lockup to the one I was just describing to you. Very similar. And I, I dealt with that for many, many years. Like I say, it, it could come back anytime, but it's been, it's been a while now. But there I was at the airport, and that was just starting to come on. Like I could feel it coming on as I was driving to the airport early in the morning and driving through the night, I suppose. And as I got to the airport, I was like, oh my goodness, I have this thing happening. And if I get on the plane with this vortex of, of, increasing tension continuing before I get on the plane where the environment is then going to annoy my body that much more that my this you know reaction is just going to really reinforce itself by the time I get to California you know I won't be there to help somebody will have to carry my bags again and so I um I what I this is what I did I checked in 
and scanned the area closest to my boarding where I would get on the plane and looked for the safest, quietest, most neutral and, you know, um, not in the busyness space at the airport that I could go to and still be safe enough to hear the plane, like a call for my airplane. Because that would be anxiety provoking if I was wondering if I was going to miss my plane. So I found that place over behind one of the, well, where people, people look to read the screens with all the numbers. Sometimes you can hide behind those things. They're big, you know, display cases. And behind the display cases, sometimes you can lay down back there. And um, I do that a lot when I go to airports. I look for those kind of places. And so I found one of those that I could still more or less be in relationship to where I needed to be for my plane. I didn't want to miss it. And where I could lay down and be not private, but definitely like not intruded upon. And I kind of, you know, put my bag in such a way that it kind of gives me a little bit more privacy, just the feeling of it right near my head. And I lay down, same kind of thing as in the Claremont. I lay down on my back and I immediately remember, well, you know, I kind of let go and kind of relax into it and such, but that tension pattern, I can feel it coming up. And instead of just falling into feeling the tension pattern, I realized beforehand, there's no way this is just going to pendulate on its own. If I start to feel it, all it's going to do is reinforce itself. And then I'll have to work that much harder to get it to come out. Having had that experience by now, I could see that coming. And rather than just try to go with the flow, right from the start, I laid back and started to quote pendulate. Now, in this case, again, I'm causing the pendulation to happen. And and this, this one, I remember that I felt oh, I can just stay in relationship to where it's happening. I don't have to go so far afield. And so in that way, I could just feel how it was tight on the right side and it wasn't tight in the same way on the left side. And laying there with the little eye pillow across my eyes that I travel with, a little blanket thing that I travel with across my midsection, little corner, little nook behind the screen at the airport, I'm feeling my body from inside, moving my attention over to the right side, then feeling how that is, what it's like, how it's tense, what the area is like. It's more on the surface. It's deeper inside. I'm getting to know it a little bit. I don't want to stay there very long because it's going to reinforce itself. And so then I'm turning my attention over to the left side, getting to know how this side isn't the same. And I'm trying to feel as much of the area of the not the same as possible and feeling down my arm and, and really just trying to get that teeter-totter, that balancing, that back and forth oscillation to start to show some kind of difference of its own where it feels as though the momentum of itself is going to happen more or less on its own without me telling my attention where to go. Well, I did that, leaned back and forth, you know, did that thing, eventually got to do something that comes along the way where it's not that hard anymore and you can simply hold both sides at, in your attention at the same time. You can notice 
a broader area of attention, the part that's tighter, the part that's not as tight, and you can just notice both of those at the same time. And again, looking for some kind of change, some kind of organic, oh, this is of its own kind of thing. And that that started to happen. There, me in the airport, sure enough, no worries. There it was, the little floppy thing, little tingly thing going down my arm, freer movement, not nearly the amplitude as I had allowed to build up there in Claremont back in Berkeley many years before, much easier for my body to process. And, you know, 20 minutes I'm laying there and I've got so much more orientation, freedom to move my head from the right around over to the left for my eyes to open up and kind of like take in the world. When they called my plane, the pain was still there. I remember explicitly the pain was still there, but it was all pulsing. It was all radiating. It was all moving. And when I got on the plane, I could just stay relaxed enough with it that by the time I got down to San Diego, it was gone and I was able to move on. And that, that did not happen for many, many years. And I would never have known how to do that if I hadn't found somatic experiencing because all of my attention used to reinforce those pain patterns. Well, those are, those are two stories from the land of twig, <laughs> my world, showing you like this thing. Sometimes you can just let it swing. Sometimes you should just ignore it. Sometimes you do one of those two by degree. You kind of you lean in attention away from it more or less. Sometimes you like really balance the attention. Sometimes you really take the attention far away from it. That is all. Those two stories are all a physical problem. The exact same thing goes, well, for images and emotions and all kinds of other somatic experiences. Okay, I wanted to share those little wrap up for episode 63 given to you here in episode 64 thanks andrea <laughs> remember to pendulate get up get up get up get up get up get up and a little tracking twig moment here i'm currently packing my bags for an exciting trip down to melbourne and perth australia i'm going down there to do my languaging workshop and polyvagal workshop along with some introductions and group consultations some se meetings with folks really excited about meeting everybody down there in se australia and and really really grateful for the folks at se australia who have had the vision to bring me down there and a bunch of other folks really really turned on group of people everybody along the way i don't know what's that mean portland seattle portland san francisco los angeles i'm gonna fly over your house I'll wave. Bye-bye now.